0: What's up, everybody? My name is Ryan Westa. This is Neander Talk Podcast, episode 170-something. Uh, guest is Kara Quigley. Her father was a, uh, a school shooter, and she found out about it when she was 19 years old. And we didn't even start discussing that until like an hour into this conversation. A uh, Very wonderful, smart, smart. Uh, thought-provoking young lady, and we had a hell of a conversation. If you would like to watch the video, patreon.com slash Podcast, and of course, West Bottoms Whiskey Co., baby. We didn't drink any today. I need to go resupply if they'll still have me. Um, And if not, drink it anyways. It's good stuff. West Bottoms Whiskey Co., you guys know what it is. Patreon podcast slash Podcast, something like that. I don't know. Let's start the episode. Welcome to the Inner Talk Podcast. We'll no topic is off Now here's your host, my daddy, and Roy Soul. Thank you for coming to the Inner Talk po- Podcast. Boom, Sherlock, boom. There we go. Boom, Sherlock, boom. All right. We'll start this in three, two, one. Ooh, it got real quiet in here now. We got the headphones on. We didn't even do a mic check. (laughs) Testing. Testing. Pull this up closer. Yep. And then get a little bit close. We can, we'll do this and we'll we'll start over here. It's not streaming live or anything. Like that, like that. And then you want to be about, you know, three, as close as you want, as you can to it. But it's fine. All right. What did you have for breakfast today?
1: A bagel with lox. Half a bagel with lox. Keep going. Uh, With butter.
0: Oh, there we go. Bagel with... That's that's, uh, uh, salmon. Mm Mm-hmm. I tried that once. I didn't. Ah, And I do like... We'll start this up. All right. Three, two, one. All right. Now we're starting for real. Uh, I'm Ryan Westa. Kara... What's your last name? Quigley. Quigley. I thought that's what it was. Okay. Welcome. We were just in a big old discussion. I figured we'd keep going about... uh, We're discussing abortion, of course. Who doesn't get riled up about that? Very light topic very light super uh, so you you're just saying that all basically the reason we brought up we're talking politics well, how do we just first start you know 5 minutes into the first me. meeting it's it's you're me. you're super you're super left yeah super deep are you super left you seem super liberal like a super lefty
1: um i think most people would say that yes okay i don't know that i would i don't know
0: <laughs> why wouldn't you say that
1: i just deduce and observe
0: yeah and study okay I think you would get a lot of conservatives that would say, "Look, it just makes sense. I just study too. No, they wouldn't. I know a few conservatives that
1: actually study. yes, yeah, <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I what, know a, a few is... conservative professors, and I'll listen to them.
0: yeah, them. of course Why, I will. well, how do you do you know conservative professors because they're very rare?
1: um again, because if you study, I'm sorry, but studying will. Lean to the left <laughs> It just Why, will well, Because really reality to... leans to the left
0: Okay, to, to what point?
1: Um, not to fall off the edge, certainly But um, I think How that far right will you go? I enjoy the fact that you consider yourself a huntsman I think huntsman is an amazing title rather than hunter I think hunting is important I think it's part of our biological makeup Um, But I think it needs to be done within harmony and um, understanding of biodiversity and appreciation of nature. And certainly I don't believe in trophy hunting and I don't believe in killing animals and putting them on walls. Um, But I think there's something to. You got a
0: lot of different things. You go on a lot of different roads right here when you say 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 things like this.
1: Probably right. because I'm not educated about the hunting community. So right. you're seeing me going in directions and I think I'm going on one track. Right, so right. Yeah, right. sure.
0: I think, I think if it, it, you don't seem like you're anti-hunter, but you're not really pro-hunting.
1: Um, it depends on what kind of hunting you're talking about, right? So I, I'm, not, I'm not into trophy hunting. I'm not into like, I will kill an animal and I am better because I don't believe in the hierarchy What's of species. Is, right.
0: <clears throat> what is trophy hunting to you?
1: Killing an animal for its head or for its um, prize rather than for its food and utility.
0: It's illegal to shoot something only for its head. You have to take the meat. Does that make you feel better?
1: Well, but, uh, right, but we know that this is happening anyway, right? Like trophy hunting in Africa and everything.
0: Trophy hunting, well, that's a, that's a, yeah, I mean, we can, we, there's certainly hunting all over the world. Uh, I will say North American hunting is by far.
1: The most regulated, you most,
0: think? it's most regulated and most well respected by the people that are doing it. Sure, it is, well, and it actually, are, if you
1: get to Canada, it's even better.
0: Yeah, imagine it's, sure. Um, yeah, the hunting communities is amazing, really. Yeah. You'd, you'd be surprised at how, how much they love the animals. environment, no in well, the environment, these animals, these animals sure. that they're killing and sure. how much they're putting into it. Yeah, um, and then when you go and then so, when you look at the African hunting thing, when you call that trophy hunting. There's a lot of misconceptions around that. Yeah, there's a dentist that's going to go to Africa and shoot Cecil the lion, right? Well, what you don't know is Cecil the lion needs to be taken out. And to protect these wild animals, that we have, so like rhinos and the endangered species they have over there, they have these on game preserves and they try to protect them from poachers and disease and whatever else. They try to manage them as best they can. Well, the only way you can afford that is if you charge some guy to come take out a lion that needs to be taken out anyways and charge him $50,000 or a hundred, wh- however much it was, 500000 then you take that money and it goes back into uh, conserving the, the, you know, animals. It's a really weird, really weird cycle over there where, like, you, you shoot these, like, uh, like, like the rhinos, they'll shoot rhinos that are, like, you know, a lot of people, that they're, they're endangered, but there's, old, when, they, when a male rhino gets to a certain age, uh, an older age and maybe not reproducing as much or not even reproducing at all and then they're killing baby rhinos like they're looking at viable young viable males as competition and so they start killing them. What are you supposed to do just let that happen? Oh, you, hey we got this dentist in Omaha that's got you know $350,000 he wants to put this thing on his wall. So that's trophy hunting for sure. But they charge that money and they use that money for good. And then also that meat goes to villagers. Like, that meat ain't getting just off to the vultures. So everything's getting used. It's just a real funny way that, I don't know, with Africa, as corrupt as that place is everywhere you go, there's just certain things they have to do. And then, when you, you know, you got these people poaching them, and they're not poaching, you know, a lot of times they're poaching because that's their last resort. You know, they're desperate. You know, these people are going out there with guns and putting, I mean, they're old shitty guns, and they're putting, like, nails and screws and metal and just shoving that down there and that's what they're using like that's how desperate these people are so yeah that's a crazy it's a it's a weird situation but i understand why people would be apprehensive and think that trophy hunting's disgusting especially when you see the grip and grin as we call it you're gripping your gun and you're grinning because you just got this giraffe yeah it looks bad but it's not some asshole Uh, he might be an asshole uh, you know what I mean? I don't have any interest in really likely. doing that. However, he is, whether his reasons of doing it are necessarily good or not, he is doing a good thing. Like These animals and these preservers are benefiting from these people that are doing that. So without those assholes that need you know, a rhino on their wall, they might all be gone. Uh,
1: at this point, yes, that would be true at this point right um if you read sapiens the history of humankind you'll know that as soon as humans came to a continent extinction began immediately we've been doing this ever since we've been setting foot anywhere on this planet so it isn't just the most recent that is responsible for extinction it's been happening since humans have been alive um, because we are parasites basically
0: We're uneducated too a lot with uneducation like now
1: okay so to speak to that Mm -hmm. again your explanation of why all this is happening in Africa and the hunting etc is all very sound my 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 biggest issue with it is that photo of that kill Mm -hmm. is not from a person that understands himself to be within the stratum of being or the stratum of the, the biodiversity of a planet he thinks of himself at the top and that is my issue Speciesism is a huge problem because we think of ourselves at the top and we have apex thinking we have this way of thinking it's our monotheistic sickness we're soaked in monotheism so we fuck everything up by thinking something at the top hmm. all the time and so this man in this picture is thinking I me at the top did this down here mm-hmm. and that is my problem with that kind of hunting absolutely. And it is very different when you sit and talk to moose hunters that's not, that's that go not, up to Labrador <clears throat> or whatever and, and they talk about the wind and the pines and that feeling and the lake. And there's a, a feeling of being with nature. They're incredible oh, yeah. environmentalists. I love it, I love it. You know, So I think there are different hunters because there's different people. I mean, there's different- right. It doesn't sound know. like you
0: have necessarily an issue with the hunting aspect. It's the personality. It's that person that does that.
1: It's our not recognizing that we are part of this, not not the rulers of it
0: well sure are this so there's no ruler though no okay that's Fuck fine Fuck
1: rulers who i mean it's like, really like we don't even like do, uh, that thinking got us here so i think i think
0: what maybe why we would be rulers or think of ourselves as that is because of consciousness and we have probably what we think is one of the highest forms of consciousness out there depending on your beliefs of mm, I after think- consciousness but i mean consciousness is I don't know i would argue is kind of a gift and something that sets us apart from animals
1: sure S- sure you, yeah i i mean i don't know where i am with the word consciousness it's very loaded to me lately so i don't know if i can define it for anymore um i'm still recovering from you know my new age <laughs> coma um but you know the you know the stoned ape theory
0: yeah, okay. I love that theory.
1: Okay. And then there's also... I want the, to
0: explain it real quick for people not well, listening? that well, I have never explained it on here, but it is a fun one.
1: That they ate, you know, magic... You know, early humans ate magic mushrooms or whatever psychedelics were out there. And so mm-hmm. it developed more cognitive abilities because it highlighted language centers for um, the brain. And so language developed possibly from this idea of being high. And so it then created a, a larger prefrontal cortex. The other theory, which you'll find in sapiens, which is more, uh, I don't know, advocated for, I guess, is that once fire uh, came about and they could cook the food, right. it left their body m- more time. Uh, it's cuz it didn't have to digest so much raw meat right. so it left it time to develop that brain mm-hmm. either way language yeah there was an
0: explosion in brain size sure. over like a million years and, and they're trying to figure out ways to what what could have attributed that sure. the meat or the psychedelics for sure, sure or
1: both or you know but anyway language came <laughs> and once language <clears throat> comes then pers- you know poetry and everything else right mm-hmm. expression and so um you know self awareness yeah is it consciousness i don't know but i we definitely have um, Something animals don't because we can see that, but they probably have something we don't, and we can't even, we don't even care, right? <laughs> I mean, the largest amount of wrinkles in a brain actually belongs to dolphins and whales and sheep, which is weird, you huh. know, and wrinkles in brain, folds in the brain are right. a, a sign of intelligence, right. right? And so, whales and dolphins have way more than us so who knows
0: I know that I is th- don't you want to know what what the fuck? what going are they on doing right them? like <laughs> like the world is more water than it is mm-hmm. land like what the hell they got See, going on right out and there? so
1: that again when we talk about hunting I say we leave the ocean alone for a bit and let it rebound
0: definitely because
1: maybe that world will speak to us a little bit more and help us because like no. if the coral reefs die we're fucked right, right. and we only have 25 years left for fresh water for a, a, a proposed 9 billion population in that time We're fucked
0: 25 years of fresh water Yeah
1: Doesn't that keep that. you up at night? No I don't believe any
0: of these predictions <laughs> You don't believe
1: that? No you, Okay I know I don't <laughs> Well the water experts are
0: Yeah uh, You know what you can uh, Go down and climb If you want Yeah I don't know I'm not gonna listen to climate stuff Or water stuff Like that uh, These predictions are never correct You never There's no I just don't believe that the rain's gonna keep coming Mm-mm no,
1: but it's not. It's not. No, because the rain comes from the Amazon rainforest, and the more you cut down the rainforest, the less rain you have.
0: I think the freshwater. I don't know. You know what? I don't, I, well, I don't know shit. Have
1: you seen the Aral Sea? It doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. The Aral Sea is.
0: Never heard of it.
1: You've never heard of the Aral Sea? It's in Look, Central Asia. I don't know Asia. whatever Louis Vuitton thing <laughs>
0: you told me earlier. I didn't know. I don't know the area. There's a lot of shit I don't know. <laughs> Uh, there's probably a lot of shit i know that you don't know exactly Uh, i I don't know i'm an idiot when it comes to a lot of things i'm interested in a few things i like the stoned ape theory yeah yeah you know i also like simulation theory Mm -hmm. i like all kinds of shit Mm -hmm. but i don't you know i don't know geography i don't know i don't pay attention to climate stuff i'm more worried about other things okay You know, I think instead of spending all this money on climate things, which seems to be just ways to be government slush funds and to just put money wherever these people fucking want, uh, I'd rather have them put it towards uh, trying to, you know, if there's a meteor that's coming at us, let's learn how to fucking block it, break it up, make it not hit us because we know that's going to happen.
1: How do you okay? But how do you not see that climate crisis is happening? Like it is the meteor hitting right now.
0: I because I don't believe the media.
1: Okay, but what about science? Like that has nothing. What about people that have like measured the ice and measured what's happening and studied patterns over thirty-five years?
0: I haven't studied enough. I haven't. I haven't seen anything compelling enough to make me believe that anything crazy is happening that's going to cause drastic changes in like 25 years or 12 or whatever there's always different times i just don't i just don't see it i don't know i i could be an idiot but there's nothing i mean i just don't see enough of i don't trust i don't trust the media i don't trust the scientists a lot i trust scientists but oftentimes there's conflicting climate scientists climatologists whatever there's all different kinds of geologists whatever there's all kinds of ologists that are studying the earth I don't know who's right who's wrong Only
1: 3% disagree with the other 97
0: You know what Go with COVID shit too It's the same fucking thing And then we see oh guess what did come from a lab Well 97% said no it didn't It came from from some wet market And the other 3% got censored Like when you get to a lot of scientific Thinking and a lot of scientific Community It is a lot of just I don't know about dogmatic But it's just a lot of one-line thinking and it's like consensus thinking they get in their own little groups and if you have a different opinion than these people that spent their whole lives coming up with you get pushed out look that I mean, happens with all I mean, uh uh egyptologists you know there's there's that whole, there's there's a dude that thinks like no you guys are like twice as wrong on the age it's twice as old as you guys even think it was because there's and then he gets like other scientists involved. I think I can't remember their names. Uh Robert Shock maybe might be a name. Randall Carlson is a name. And there's another guy, Graham Hancock. Like these are guys that are going, they've been going against that. And then they've been, they've been looked at as kooks. My only point is, I don't know. I when there's conflicting scientists that seem like they have. Just amount of same amount of education as these other ones and they're battling it out I don't know who to believe all the time and I don't believe predictions. I just don't that's my thing predictions are very rarely coming true with I Mean they've been doing climate predictions for since Al Gore, which isn't that long
1: Mm, They've been doing climate predictions since the
0: 1950s. Well since I've been paying attention to it I've (laughs) only been alive for (laughs) 42 years. So since I've been paying attention to it like I don't know that's where i'm coming from. so i don't i don't put a lot of thinking or brain power into thinking about climate change.
1: right, but it takes no brain power to understand that 3% of scientists against 97% of scientists is a pretty lopsided um right.
0: You, but that was you know. what i was saying, the same thing with covid, same thing.
1: right, but these 3% are not some heroes trying to say like, hey, we're going to come in and, you know, fumble with the system more than likely and i'll get <laughs> i'll take your cynic- cynical road here for a second more than likely these three percent are funded by big oil and so oh, sure th- their agenda is going to be to cut across and into this data which is real that has been studied since the 1950s i'm and, not saying i believe the that but all the predictions have come true like what like the increase in carbon in the environment the so. proving now of the greenhouse effect that actually all of these things get trapped in and make it hotter. That was a theory and now it's proven, okay? The fact that we did heal the ozone uh, hole that we had. Over, in Australia? Yes, we healed that hole. Mm-hmm. We could do that. So they've proven it, they've shown these things.
0: Okay, well again with my cynicism coming, again whether it's, I, and I'm not saying I believe either side, I'm just saying there's a lot, there's conflicting, I don't know. When you get governments involved, blah, 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 let's go down that road. But I'm going to go my cynicism even more. You got China and India. What the fuck are you going to do with them? If we stop doing everything, just North America, what we can control, that's not going to put a dent in it compared to what China and India, Brazil, Mexico, city, probably. I don't know. Like there's pollution. Yeah, well, we have to work everywhere. Together.
1: We live on the same planet. Well we have to work together. We spin around in the same direction at the same time.
0: All right, well, that's (laughs) not happening. (laughs) That's not happening. You know, outside of... Let's let's say there is a god. Let's just say it's whatever god. Whatever name your god. Flying Spaghetti Monster Mm -hmm. is actually real. The Pastafarians are, we told you so. We told you so. But let's just say one day the Flying Spaghetti Monster shows up. Everybody sees it. It's just, he's he just does it. He's all encompassing. He's just boom, motherfuckers. I am God. I'm the spaghetti monster. It's still not going to bring everybody together. There's still going to be war with people. Like, it's just, there's not coming, there's no coming together. Even if that happens, I still don't think, oh, that's just a projection. Oh, there's no way that's really spaghetti monster. No way. You're going to have, you know, all the major religions going, no way. I just don't think you're going to get the whole world to come together on anything, climate, religion, anything. It's just.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm speaking in some kind of utopian idealistic uh, fantasy about, you know, all of us getting into a circle and singing Kumbaya. I think that there are, um, you know, I've studied enough history to know there are times when we mobilize pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, there are times when we've we've, you know, taken it and fucking pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and got the fuck over to Europe to kill some fucking guy who was an idiot. You know what I mean? We did things right yeah. um, when we wanted to. Come, but we were still
0: fighting a bunch of people. But But
1: when we wanted to come to the United States to get better taxes and to have better, you know, to have more food, it didn't stop us from slaughtering 26 million people. When we want to get something done, we get it done. You know what i mean like it just depends on what you want right
0: oh and the fact that
1: there's no self-motivating profit in the environment Uh except for actually fucking being alive there's nothing motivating them to do it right because they just want the money right it's all about taxes always has been about taxes there's no tyrannical government to fear when you come to united states it's all about taxes that's why we started and we decided to kill 26 million people and then enslave and kill millions more i mean that's the origin of our country so if you're looking at if we want to get things done, we I don't could, know. Did we, we slaughter 26 million. Get, yes, we did. We can get shit done.
0: Wow. Well, we so can are get you? Shit so would you be?
1: We went to the fucking moon. I say this all the time. We uh, went we? to the moon. Did we? Yes, we did. Why haven't we been back? What? Because there's no reason to go back. That's why they they were like, oh, we did it. Mm, good, great. Now what do we do? You know Nobody what I mean? Put a Mars. base over there. Mars is the bigger place. You know what I mean? That's that's all they want to do. It's that's all. I mean mm-hmm. look at the ships themselves. They're big dicks that go into space. Come on. <laughs> so, um it's you are are you,
0: an- you anti space travel?
1: Um yeah, I'm not anti space exploration, but anti space travel, yes.
0: Why? Why would you be anti space exploration?
1: Because I think it's another distraction just like religion is to get away from the problems we've caused for ourselves. And until we learn how to look in the mirror and see that we are our own problem, we have no right to go Traveling off in space Why are we a problem?
0: What is the problem?
1: We're destroying our own environment that we live and breathe on.
0: You don't think we will always find a reason, a way to live in it?
1: We're not living in it. We're killing it. Maybe. We are. <laughs> the oxygen levels
0: are so much lower. How, what, what, what if we adapt to it? Is it ever going to get suffocated we out can't, with no, no oxygen? No, because
1: we can't adapt to the rate. We can't adapt to the rate that you it's don't happening. You do think
0: technology can do that?
1: No. And uh, if you're one of these people that believes they can just like get a jet and like inject it with ozone and fly ozone around in the environment, which no. they've tried to do, like no.
0: <laughs> no. No, I'm just thinking more biological technology. I
1: mean, we can adapt to anything. We we've proven that. We've shown that, That's right? What I'm the saying. lactose gene that came out of okay, so right, so Maybe out of we, Africa. You know what?
0: Maybe we go underground. Maybe we build build big giant and stations and we live underground. You cannot live without sun. artificial sun. You cannot live vitamin without vitamin D tablets. Mm, and artificial sun
1: that'll work for a while. But again, how long do we need? It?
0: And until we just do, we live underground as a, as human as sure. human beings for and until the reset. Till the Earth resets after a few thousand years or something, then we pop back up. Who's to say that can't happen? And what would be wrong with that? It's just a different way of living. I mean, write that book. I'm into it. Yeah. Write that book. All right. (laughs) I'm just saying we don't know where things are going. We don't know what...
1: Right, but you have to understand without real sun, without the cycle of it, your body... All um, right, but
0: you're against space exploration because you... No,
1: I'm for space exploration. I'm against space travel.
0: Okay, I'm for space travel because I think consciousness is a gift. And I think if we lose consciousness... That's a shame for the universe. I think it needs to live on. You explain to me on? how we
1: have not already lost consciousness by the disaster we've created.
0: I don't know, you seem to be pretty conscious. Isn't it kind of nice?
1: Yeah, but if you're saying like, you don't wanna lose consciousness, my argument is we have already lost consciousness because we haven't cared for each other. We haven't cared for what we've been given. And so we're gonna go out again, trying to achieve consciousness.
0: I think a lot of beautiful things have been created with consciousness. I think a lot of love has been created. I think a lot of wonderful amazing things because of consciousness has exploded all over this planet and sure. I mean the planet ruins itself. I mean
1: the planet does not ruin itself. Well, I mean,
0: in your definition of killing things, I mean how we've had mass extinction events many times with like super volcanoes and sure. meteors and shit sure. like that. Sure. Like shit's sure, just going to happen like sure. But we got this cool thing called consciousness that creates beauty and, and makes beautiful. I don't know. I got kids. I never knew that kind of love existed till I had kids. Sure, it's fucking insane. It should be illegal. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, should yeah. not. I I do not. I wish. I, I just <clears throat> I, I I wish I was ignorant to that feeling of that amount of love because it's way too. It's scary. crushing, isn't it? It's soul crushing. Yeah, it's just, I can't handle it. Yeah, I don't. Your whole life,
1: <laughs> your whole life lives outside of your body. Yeah, it's like, what the hell? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um,
0: so like that i don't i mean that's a beautiful thing with the consciousness with having conversations like this building artistic art pieces and and monuments i mean you go back to early man i mean we got pyramids we got uh, ruins all over the place like people have been doing shit i just think that's all consciousness doing cool shit
1: okay do you believe the planet is conscious i mean because you mentioned like you know you mentioned man-made things, but like look at like the Grand Canyon or the sunsets or beautiful falls or the ocean itself. Like to me, that's also a, I don't p- think, a part of that. Same. I think the
0: only way, the only reason why that stuff is beautiful and is amazing is because consciousness recognizes it. I sure. don't think a elk is walking around in early morning going, "I'm going to take a second and just soak <laughs> this sunrise up and just I don't know. look how I think beautiful it be. is. No, they're they're not.
1: I think they might be. No,
0: I know you. I know you do. <laughs> they're not
1: (laughs) because i think that they're in tune with different things happening that we can't even understand their their eyesight their hearing their smell is off of our spectrum so we can't determine their
0: eyesight's not offered. Their smell is off of our spectrum, but everything else is. Well, and
1: I'm speaking animals in general, like oh, okay. whatever mix of that is, sure, you sure. know, so they're experiencing things that we can't experience. And I think that, it, I mean, I'm a census person. You might be a census person. Like when with my senses, you know, get turned on in any aspect. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You know, like a dinner could be like huge. Right. And so we don't know what's happening with them either. They might find something pleasant. They might find something especially No, they're instinctual
0: and they're just trying to live and procreate and just survive. They're just trying to survive and pass those genes on. That's all these things are doing.
1: I don't know that we can, um, okay. No, we can't, we study them. At the base, sure, at the base, sure. But there's a far more cooperation going on too than, than people used to get. So people used to look at the dynamic of animal, especially herd living as competitive. And now the dynamic has changed that it's actually cooperative. Because, you know, we see death as vicious and awful and the alpha structure is vicious and awful, but actually it's much, much more cooperative. So I think there is a well, the
0: circle of life. The Lion King taught us that.
1: Oh, well, OK, good. So uh, <laughs> but I just think there's a lot more. I hate to say anthropomorphic, like I don't want to put I don't well, wanna that's
0: put, what you're doing, though. It's I don't just... want
1: to. I know I don't want to seem like that, but I'm just saying, like, I don't want to also n- not assume that there's something might be happening that we don't know. I always want to. I mean, again, brain folds. I don't think, we don't. We don't
0: know what's happening. Well, just like you, you know, you say that there's climatologists studying everything and they see this stuff coming. Uh, there's still people. There's people that study these animals and they're like, I mean, come on, these things are just. They're food. You know.
1: Uh yeah, but n- they're not industrial
0: food. No, I mean, well, we've. No. I
1: mean, if you're going to talk act- factory farming, that's my big like. totally against that
0: no that's why i I wish i could hunt all my food sure that'd be the way to go
1: and imagine if we you know if we gave every huntsman um a free degree in forestry or natural sciences or something and then they became the stewards of the movement to create more community farms so that what's hunted in the field then gets brought to those community farms and gets distributed locally so that we don't have this problem of all this pollution
0: oh well yeah but how are you going to feed a city
1: you have cooperative farms every three hundred miles to feed everybody
0: in a city. Every sure. three hundred miles.
1: Well, no, I mean a cooperative. Obviously, a cooperative farm for a city would be much larger. There would be much more larger infrastructure for that. But the fact that everything. Now where would are you be getting local? that from? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's a big question, right? But it's possible. Look, I'm not. It's
0: doable. I'm not pro. <laughs> don't don't yeah. Don't label me pro big. Uh... What are we talking for? Agra? Uh, Agra, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah.
1: No, Agra doesn't work. Again, it's, again, problem with monotheism, we think we can do we monoculture. so many people. Well, we have too much monoculture that's destroying the soil and destroying, you know, oh, talk about I'm greenhouse there, I, yeah,
0: gases. I, hey, listen, I've been trying to argue that with vegans forever now. Good luck with them biting on that apple. They're, I used to be vegan, I'm no longer vegan. Yeah, good so. for you. What got you out, bacon?
1: Uh, the the um, hostile environment.
0: Vegan hostile environment? Yeah. As the community of the yeah. people.
1: Yeah.
0: I've never I had one I had a guest on here. Um that we it was I wouldn't say it was hostile, but it wasn't the it wasn't my favorite conversation sure. I've had with somebody. And he got he's super vegan y kinda you know, you I well yeah, that's why you got out, huh? Mm-hmm. Like what happened? Like what was going on? How long were you vegan?
1: um i was vegetarian for 18 years and then i was vegan for like three and then i went back to veganism and i was vegan for six years up until two years ago oh and um i loved it i was like a little you know vegan chef basically i loved being vegan and i still love all vegan food um but um several things began to happen and i haven't i haven't actually been able to formulate a lot of this into like something crystallized but for some reason, my brain just began to give up on all the complication. Like every time you go to a restaurant, it's this, 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 and this, and this. Every time you go shopping, it's this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. It's it's more complex, which I am a very complex person, so I think I identified more with veganism for that reason initially. But then everything began to be this mental, it, it just took up too much room in my head anymore to have to fucking think about substitutions and what to order and everything else. Also, um, and this is, this is something I, I don't know if I can even put into words. There is something about cooking a family recipe and feeding it to your own child. There's no, I don't know, it's a gift. It's a, I don't know, it's a presentation. It's a way of saying this, I was fed with this and I want you to have this, you know, and as a Norwegian, all I can say is that like um a good winter meal is how you sustain relationships, you know, and and it's like cooking that stew for my child was a mentally healthy experience in a way that the vegan couscous wasn't. Um the third reason I would say was Oh wow, that's an
0: interesting reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah so the it was a generational like back into the eon kind of experience right and when i was pregnant with her i began dreaming about red meat and that's how i knew i was pregnant and that's i was i had i had pregnancy anemia i had never had a filet or a steak or anything and i started dreaming about steaks and i would cut into the steak and blood would pour out and I was like oh, I think I'm becoming a vampire like I was really terrified I was becoming a vampire and I, I had a serious discussion with my friend tears streaming down my face like I think I have the disease that existed in Romania in the Carpathian Mountains at the time that remember like that vampire disease and that's what the thing's based on oh
0: you're too smart so anyway you, get, you yeah you, <laughs> you're too smart you get you give yourself anxiety over so, the craziest right, shit right I know too much for my own good <laughs> yeah. people
1: tell me no so anyway I I had pregnancy anemia so my iron was totally deficient and mm-hmm. so I had to eat three steaks a week I had to to take two doses of iron a day to be able to just be at the mark to be able to give birth in the tub which is what I wanted Um, so anyway that's when I ate meat for that full year and I lived in the UK and that meat is so monitored and so like they're so after mad cow disease in the UK they are so strict with their meat like it's unbelievable and they still have butcher shops Nice. so you get roast beef it's fucking roast beef yeah. it's not like it's been chilled and filled with chemicals right it's been roasted and there you are then they cut it for you right sausages made right there fresh for you they had these blackberry um, what was it blackberry sage pork sausages oh, oh. my god with oh. Scottish blackberries I was like mmm yes,
0: lovely meat
1: Um. so yeah that's when I ate meat and then I became vegan but the, so the third reason was that And vegans are going to argue with me about this up, down, and sideways. When you're a solo mom with no help from anyone, there's no dad in the picture, anything, um, and you're constantly making the food all the time, and you're constantly making vegan food, it is so overly soy. Uh It's soy, 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 soy. And my body just kept saying, you know, you're getting on in like you know decades of only soy protein and too much of one thing for the human body is always a bad thing Mm -hmm. right you've Mm got to diversify Mm -hmm. especially
0: (laughs) for for a child yeah
1: sure and so i just was like i literally need to simplify get back to basics get back to the family recipes for my child and she's happier with it and I just decomplicated my life in so many ways. I still think we need to reduce our meat intake. I still think factory farming is a huge source of pollution and problems, and that's been proven. Um, and I, I think there's more ethical ways of eating and more appreciative ways of understanding that you are what's on that plate. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all the sun. We're eating the sun because the sun grows the plants. The plants eat. You know, the animals eat the plants, and we eat the animals. We are eating the sun, so we need to appreciate that.
0: Sun eaters, baby. Mm-hmm. We are. I love it.
1: Worshipping the sun is not far from exactly what we should be doing, because it's the only reason why we're here.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well said.
1: Carl Sagan. Well, I mean, that's not his quote, but he said the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first monotheist. The reason why we have monotheism is because we have the sun. So if you look at Akhenaten, the guy who invented, quote unquote, quote unquote, invented monotheism in Egypt he believed the origin of the sun came from this mountain and he moved the entire capital overnight let's talk about getting things done overnight push to do things right another example That my favorite heritage he?
0: Egypt, egyptian though
1: akhenaten yeah okay, so. and so there's a statue of oh well, there's a there's so he a,
0: wasn't a caucasian
1: no he was african and he actually um had a really strange disease that turned him into like this androgynous figure if you go to the nelson there's a really good relief of akhenaten it's beautiful 17th dynasty, i think it's 17th dynasty anyway Akhenaten, okay, so you know Tutankhamun, Amun, Aten, so everybody was an Amun, and overnight he changed it to Aten, and Aten was the new god, and it was the god of the sun, and indicative of this time, if you look at the reliefs, is the sun has rays that come down, and all the rays have a little hand on the end of them, because it's touching you, he built his palace in Tel al-Armana, where he believed the origin of the sun came from, and they would put all of these pedestals in front of the palace and they would give food to the Sun because it would dehydrate it right so they thought they were feeding the Sun by allowing you know they were giving it all back right mm-hmm. so there was this cyclical beautiful thing people think not sure uh, that Moses ended up at Akhenaten's palace because he then came up with monotheism basically but my primordial point in the brain as to why monotheism makes sense to people is because we have one sun. So, of course, we're going to identify with that one thing. But what we're not looking at is that the sun is actually the creation of all of the multiplicity. And so we would have to ground in the multiplicity a lot more because monotheism is killing all of us. It it just distorts the brain and soaks it in the idea that there's one answer for everything, you know?
0: Well, don't you think we could use uh, space travel to maybe cure ourselves of that if we eventually get this human form with this consciousness exploring to different planets and eventually different star systems and we keep uh, our history and our, and our information with us and then maybe we run into a different alien race or we at least see different life
1: <laughs> good point you know good
0: point <laughs> maybe that would open I, our minds i'll take we, that point
1: <laughs> okay space traveler you're getting me
0: yeah i'll big time <laughs> I'll take say. That I point. Want, yeah I, it's a gift okay it's, consciousness is a gift get it out there and then we see oh shit it's and I, I do also believe even even if we didn't find something just getting out there is gonna take a lot of people's man maybe not maybe it does take something like that i don't know it might take a, the monotheism away from humans once they do start doing more sure. exploring and they're just like oh shit like but
1: what can take it away now is to look at biodiversity to look at like hey you take this out it's gonna fuck with all this other stuff right we're yeah st- but we can loop but we we're can- still teaching the great chain of being from the medievals from, from the medieval you know centuries we're teaching the great chain of being as if it's a scientific thing it's we're not we're not in the great chain of being anymore What's we know more the great, chain, more. Of
0: being? The great
1: chain of being was the the concept that that man is at the top and the bird eats the worm, right? I well, mean, some you,
0: people think there's someone above us. Uh, you know, sure, gods at the top. The gods well, no, at gods the top.
1: at the top. But the, the the great chain of being was that the bird eats the worm. It's the whole idea that humans are at the hi- at the top of the hierarchy, right? And any time as a as vegetarian or vegan, you would tell people that you know you're doing this. Oh, but the, but the great chain of being, you know, and these pe- like that is a medieval concept, and we have to get over that. We have to stop living in medieval world. Do you believe
0: in evolution? Like, of
1: course, I believe in evolution. Okay. Of course, you know, Um, but again, when you, when you talk about, can we adapt, we can't adapt evolution and adaptation take, take so many years. You know what I mean? This, I mean, I love your fantasy about living underground. I really do want to read that book, but adapting that quickly is not something the human body can necessarily do.
0: Well, hopefully we wouldn't have to do the underground thing. That's a plan B because we can go to Mars.
1: Okay. But let me ask you this. Doesn't it sound like a little despondent teenager when you don't know how to solve your own problems, you don't even know the mess you've created, and you aren't even willing to clean it up, but you want to go to somebody else's house?
0: I really like Elon Musk going to that house. (laughs) I mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but
1: it's it's not like we have to solve our problems first that we've done here. Man, he's
0: like I'm he's doing Elon Musk is doing the best he can for here helping solve our problems. We got wonderful scientists trying to solve different problems, but like I, I I'm only going to live for, you know, Elon's only going to live 80, 90, 100 years, you know, for lucky. He's got to do some shit now also like I'm if no one else is going to take us out there, let's go. At least that's a good person to start this thing off. Okay, but
1: yeah, but my social justice mind is telling me that all of those dollars could also be spent Refurbishing and redoing a bunch of neighborhoods that have been decimated. Well, that's where
0: I, well that that's ridiculous. That, Why? That's re- because there's so much fucking money and corruption that goes involved. Do you know, uh, here's, here's a homework I'd like you to do. A little homework. There's not
1: corruption in space travel?
0: Sure, there is. I mean, we were fucking start, the NASA program started with Nazis. Of course, there's corruption. But it's. I think it's a lot worse when you look at, do some homework. Go, dude, look at how much money California spends on its homeless problem.
1: Oh, California is terrible California is terrible and actually you want to talk about like where I'll go to the right let's talk about the example of California being a liberal nightmare because it's so overly regulated and so overly bureaucratic Mm -hmm. you can't get shit done however I would also say because of the population of California and it's like what the sixth highest economy in the world because of those special circumstances, there needs to be a different type of governance in California. And I think that there should be more senators than just two.
0: Well, a lefty would say that. I mean, I just think,
1: <laughs> I know because you think I'm growing the government, right? But in actuality, you need better and you need better and more di- um, dispersed leadership for a population of that size and an economy of that size.
0: Uh, something should be done. Maybe it needs to be annexed and just be its own country
1: uh people have considered that yeah but if you look listen to bill maher talk about his problems with trying to get his solar panels up and how com- incredibly ridiculous the whole thing was, california's
0: insane yeah and that is and that's when i when you do have to kind of look at like how f- how far left are you willing to go mm-hmm. and how far right are you because you got to take some on both sides and like as a huntsman uh so california does something ridiculous because left love the fucking mountain lions they just love mountain lions well, a certain number of them have to be killed every year just to control other populations. So hunters used to be able to do that. You could go hunt, hunt mountain lions. They did, they did a lot, whatever, 80 mountain lions to be killed. Well, no, we love them. You can't do that. We're banning it. We're banning mountain lion hunting. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to spend our tax money and hire sharpshooters to do it for us. So there's still 80 mountain lions getting killed, but instead of collecting revenue from hunters, they're spending revenue on snipers. Yeah, that's just, yeah, you can go on all day with California sure. with that. And that's when I, when I see, when I've looked at the homeless issue in, in California and how much money goes into it. It's so, there's enough money to give like every homeless person. Person in in California, a fucking house. It's crazy. Well, but th- and where does it go? It doesn't right. go to anywhere. It's just this. It's just this. Uh, it's basically turned into a business. Homelessness is turned uh, into a business,
1: and I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. So I don't want to give them because, any more yeah, money. But we don't, but I see, think they have
0: enough. But the I want to spend is, it going
1: to Mars. Okay, but we're not, again, we're not able to care for our problems the way they should be. That If we don't have a homeless problem, we have a human problem, and we're not able to com- to think in complex ways of identifying how to say, oh, these people are mentally ill. They're going to need this help. These people are addicts. They're going to need this help. Thanks Reagan. These people, These people have some financial issues. They're going to need this help. Mm. They're not able to look at a population of people. They're only thinking they need shelter. No, they don't just need shelter. That's like telling poor people they need money. No, poor people do not need money, actually. <laughs> they need infrastructure. They need better schools. They need better health care. They need a better chance. You they know need what I to mean? pull
0: up themselves by their goddamn bootstraps yeah, and get to pull- work.
1: <laughs> Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, and you'll never hear me say that. But it's, it's, it's that we don't have a homeless problem. We have a human management problem and we have a compassion problem because it shouldn't be allowed to allow this happen.
0: No, not in a pro- not in a country this wealthy. no yeah
1: no and no. and we also have to understand society in general okay all throughout the eons of society, there will always be homeless people. Mm-hmm. there just will be. There will always be people that um, you know Rome, basically even the Roma people, there will always be these nomads that's at the top, right And there will always be the addict on the street corner. It, you won't ever solve it completely right but the fact that it's an embarrassment, to our population that we allow so such a large portion of our population to do it when the solutions are out there you know Norway in Norway if you pick up trash you get money for it there is no homelessness in Norway
0: you know how many people are in Norway
1: well I mean you could say that I mean people say population all the time but if you understand human nature it's still gonna kind of operate the same you just have to have better management I mean good god competent fucking people
0: well that's Yeah And that's why again I'm cynical and, and this is an oligarchy And it's not gonna happen It's just The the, the rich Who keep getting richer Especially over the COVID The past mm-hmm. two and a half years Sure it's, it's, I, You know it's their world. We're just living in it. We're just working for them. We're just trying to fight for whatever yeah. little kind of freedom we sure. possibly can get. Yeah, We're and just... Americans
1: are the worst. They'll fight over that two-week vacation for everything. Meanwhile, all of our counterparts in Europe are having six weeks paid vacation mandatory. Well,
0: I mean, no, fighting <laughs> for like the rights that we do have. like you know, Yeah, but
1: they're still fighting for a two-week vacation, which is pathetic. You're right. It's pathetic. We're so abused. We don't even... I mean, we just...
0: We yeah. take it because well, it's
1: the best damn country, right? I don't know. We take it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't I, it, know. It's. Yeah. I've, I've been having my issues with America the past <laughs> few years. I, I say, yeah. if I didn't have kids, I don't know that I would live here. Where would you live? That's what everybody says. And I go, I don't know. Why? How do you not know? Because I don't, I don't have, because what I, ultimate what I would like to do is be independently wealthy and live in Cambodia for three years. Why Cambodia? Go to Ethiopia for a few years. Go to Brazil, because I just want to explore the world and explore cultures and live life. I, I feel life is meant to be explored and enjoyed. Like, you know, I used to think, I, I, I subscribe last year was my year of simulation theory where i was going hard just that's what i believe for one year i just made myself believe it
1: you'll have to explain it to me because i don't know what it is
0: simulation theory no we're all in a computer somewhere none of this is actually real we're actually our real bodies and minds are somewhere else and we're hooked up to this world that you and i are existing in right now
1: that sounds like existential anxiety
0: you know what The Matrix is? You ever watch yes, The Matrix? It's yes, The Matrix. Yes. We're stuck in The Matrix right now. Yeah.
1: Um, There's drugs to cure you of that.
0: <laughs> that's what the simulation wants you to think. It's <laughs> right. a little program <laughs> that's going in and making you feel like that.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I don't, I can't believe you, you're not hip to this.
1: Because I don't believe it. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be on my radar.
0: It's not well. There's a lot of mathematicians and scientists that would 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 argue that it's more likely that we're in one than we're not in one. Can you see ourselves get getting to a point where we would be in one? Look where technology's gone just since the Nintendo. Look what virtual virtual reality isn't. That's been twenty five. That's been thirty years. Look at how look at that technology. Look at computer. Look at computer can do now. Look at the computers that put. If you believe we went to the moon, I'm not saying we didn't, I just like to, or I just like yeah. to play with it. I we, I'm, I'm sure we've been there, but look at the computers that it <laughs> look at the computers that put us there. And now look, which is in your pocket. Look what stood on your, Oh, you don't have a smartphone, a smartwatch, mm-hmm. but you look at your smartphone. That's more powerful than that computer. So just extrapolate a hundred years from now, you don't see us being jacked into a full immersion kit of virtual reality and that's indistinguishable from real life and you think people are stuck on facebook on their phones now wait till you can immerse yourself and you cannot distinguish real from fake it's just when you pop those goggles on you're just like it is real life feel touch smell everything blade runner okay but actually, like, actually, yeah, you don't see us getting to that point and then just being like, how can I, how can I sustain this? How can I hook my body up to a hose? That gives me all the vitamins and nutrients, everything I need to stay alive and just live in this fake world where I do whatever. Live how I want. You don't think that's, pop- you don't see that that could have happened, uh, whatever, I don't X think amount could, of years and that's where we're at now.
1: I don't think we could be injected with stuff and let that be okay. Our senses need to be fed. I, you can't. People who have brain injuries that lose their taste of sense and smell often end up kidding, committing suicide because they can't. Well, function. you don't ever
0: come out of it. You don't ever want to come out of it. And then we just get we develop whatever technology to where that's how we live. That's how humans live from now on. I don't know. I know. I, I, I'm think, not, we're, it, I think this is
1: real. I think this is absolutely real.
0: Right. Of course and, you do. We and, all do. But
1: I mean, after being in a relationship with a narcissist or somebody with narcissistic tendencies, your whole goal is to hang on to reality and create it again. And so I'm not going to give that up and I'm not going to doubt it.
0: You don't have to give it up. You can still, I mean, look, rent still do.
1: Right. So you're saying I could still say this is reality, but actually we're in a matrix. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like all those Christians that are like, God still exists even if you don't believe in him.
0: Yeah they uh they have their beliefs i don't think just christians say that no that's true all those
1: about six billion people say that so sure yeah, no
0: yeah so that's my little simulation theories you know i don't know why we got onto that what were we talking talking you about? were
1: saying you were obsessed with it during the pandemic
0: uh-huh but why was i saying that i forgot where we were going off from that
1: space travel mm-hmm. elon musk
0: yeah, um, I'm great. great.
1: I don't know. You had simulations. Okay. I I asked you to explain simulation theory. Yeah, I went
0: down a rabbit hole I of know. the simulation. Now I forgot you, you were talking about uh, phones being so yeah. Well, that was, you know, the phones being, yeah, but that was just that was, just, simulation that was pr- pr- theory. showing to you if you don't think we're in it now, you could see ourselves getting I hate there. Hate this. How do we get
1: back? How do we get back?
0: <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Denmark, uh Oh yeah, yeah. Norway. Where would I go? Where would I go? You want? To oh ask yeah. Me where would I go? go? <laughs> and, I, and I was saying, if I had so much money, I would go to all these. Because oh yeah, because I feel like whether this is a simulation or not, or a creator, or just evolution, whatever it is, we've got this big, giant ball, floating in space that. Sh- i would love to explore and i think it's meant for he- i think it's meant for us to explore and live and, and and get as much fulfillment as we can i don't think humans were meant to be here however we got here to be going to a job we absolutely hate to come home and sit our fat asses on a couch to watch television watch other people live their lives L- i think the human experience it's not about work it, it's not about work it's about but, and then there's this you know just i just wish i was fucking billionaire so I could live how I wanted to you know what I mean like I wish we didn't have to I don't know
1: But see, so that's, what,
0: that's where I would live <laughs> so I don't know where I would live I would love to live all over the place but if in reality where would I go I don't know I'd have to find a job why Cambodia uh, cause you can get a job uh, you can get a job there's teaching English mm-hmm. uh, you know some kind of and they've got uh, some of their rules some of their laws uh, I prefer over some of their neighboring countries uh, and that's just one instance. I mean, that's sure. just one. Like, how how long would I live there for? You know, I don't know. I would just. I don't know where I would go, or do. I'm a fucking mailman. You know what I mean? I can't go be a mailman in in, in Botswana.
1: You could, um, <laughs> because the postal service here is not as robust as it is there. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So yeah i mean i would go to the canadian rockies i've thought about going to the canadian rockies i've been searching for my canadian lumberjack <laughs> to get me free health care and get me over the border um <laughs> but yeah it, the things that are stressors here will you
0: come back here for a surgery no you just wait a year or two
1: i mean unless i had to do something that was specialized yeah right. but um uh um where were we? You were going to go, Maybe. you're looking okay. for your Canadian tuxedo Canadian Lumber- guy. To Canadian lumberjack swing to save his me. axe yeah. up. And- okay, so the stressors that we have here, and especially as a solo mom, they're more pronounced, right? Because I don't have somebody to split the rent with or split the health insurance with or split anything with.
0: should have married me. You know how much fucking money I have to fucking pay?
1: I'm so, yeah, well, but exactly. I don't have child support either. Like, I don't have anything that's helping me, right? I'm trying to do the thing that the heteronormative orgiastic world has set up for two people, right? Because we are living in a heteronormative world. Um, so health care, um, specifically to Kansas City, the lack of public schools. Um, uh, things like, um, I mean, I would receive aid, certainly, uh, based on different circumstances than there are here in the, in the United States, in Europe. My healthcare would be taken care of. Had I stayed with my child in Europe, I had her in Ireland, had I stayed with my child there, they would have given me money to finish my PhD. They would have given me housing to finish my PhD. They would have done anything they could to help that person who's given birth to a citizen. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, I mean, it was so, even when I landed here after my four month old, coming back from Ireland, even when I landed here, the difference, was so pronounced just i mean if if i could create a metaphor for like my experience of america having a child it was when i met this the flight attendant as i came onto the plane coming back from ireland and she did not help me with one fucking thing i had a baby i had a stroller i had all this shit she did not help me once when I boarded the plane in Ireland the day before,
0: must have been, huh? the
1: guy held the baby for me, cooed at her, you know, the, another guy took the stroller for me. Somebody, I mean, this was a cooperative effort to help a mother. I, uh, and there's no motherhood ethic like that in the United States because mothers are hated, because women are hated in the United States. So they make it extremely difficult to survive here and live your dreams. Whereas in, in Europe, when you're talking about that the planet should be explored, That's the ethic of socialism in a a sense is that the planet and its people are very important so that mandatory six-week vacation is for you to explore the planet and in some countries it's nine weeks but you have to take it Mm -hmm. because if you don't you're going to be a fucking dickhead. Yeah, you're going to be stressed. Yeah, so that's the difference. That's why I don't like America right now.
0: Well, I took my... uh, I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old divorced dad. I took them on a plane ride to Michigan for Christmas. And they couldn't have been nicer. They helped me out in every which way they could. They were super nice to me. Yeah, good. So I think you just just, just ran into it. Like I said, Uh, we have an asshole problem. I know. You know
1: what we have? We do have an asshole problem. And it's just... But we also have a brain-occupied problem because we're so stressed. Everybody's so busy. Everybody's doing everything. We are actually so... like taxed, we can't care for others.
0: Right. And, and post
1: pandemic, it's even more so, even more compounded. You know. I mean, I got to pee. Oh, you want to pee. Yeah. pee break?
0: Uh, yeah. Let's take a pee break. pee break. um Yeah, let's take a pee break. Bye. <laughs> it's only
1: been yeah. It's only been like an hour. it an hour bum, and fifteen bum, bum, minutes, bum, bum, and I feel like it's been five hours.
0: <laughs> you're having that bad of a time?
1: It's not bad. No, <laughs> yeah. I have a different. I told you, I'm non linear. So
0: I don't know if I go somewhere and I feel like if I went if someone dragged me to church and we'd been there for an hour, I'd be like, dude, I thought it was like five hours.
1: Oh, no, that's I'm, what you're telling me. No, right fan of the long attention span.
0: OK, well, we were boy we've gone all kinds. of That's
1: what I'm saying. We've gone all play all the places. It's, right? We have gone all the places. <laughs> I don't think
0: we've we didn't hammer anything super long. <laughs> And hard, but we did get your mind changed on big game hunting. You're now pro lion hunting. And we got you on <laughs> space travel. We now have you ready to be one of the first colonies on Mars. Mm. Boom. I love it. Need yeah. to talk podcast? We're out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we could talk. Uh, we can switch gears if you want. I don't. I, look, I know. It's your show. I'll tell you this. I know very little about you i know like absolutely very little i I saw you know a headline or two are here and we can talk about that yeah uh i don't even know what the story is but the the headline is your dad was a school shooter Mm -hmm. okay what is are you sick of talking about it we don't have to talk about that we can talk about whatever i mean i can keep going on about
1: it's kind of my mission so i mean i i don't ever get sick of talking about it if if it was the only part of my identity that anybody was ever interested in that would be boring but clearly i wasn't it's my (laughs) it's my mission so
0: when when we got up to break you you brought it up i was like Uh, oh yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah
1: (laughs) no it's my mission so no i would never be sick of talking about it no
0: okay what is the story like um Uh, like how old uh, what what, i want to know i guess let me think about the questions i really because i haven't really thought about that i've not i'm not a good host <laughs> uh so you when did you find out
1: i was 19 years old on october 22nd 1993
0: how old 19
1: mm-hmm.
0: you were 19 years old when you found out how how old was he when he did it
1: 22
0: how old were how old was he when he had you forty two so twenty years later
1: mm-hmm. okay, and then twenty years later he told me,
0: okay, at sixty something mm-hmm wow why why wasn't he why isn't he in prison?
1: he went to uh he was sentenced, he was given a life sentence and sent to Farview State Hospital for the criminally insane um and he was um Diagnosed as incurably insane and he was released after four years and nine months and they reconvened the sanity commission and determined that he actually had been temporarily insane for the time of the killing and had actually you know, rehabilitated himself and was now determined to be sane and so they let him go.
0: This was like through four years of like is or, or four how how long was he in prison four something years four years and nine months so four nine is he having talks with a psychiatrist no. all the time no was this prison he was in or what or he was it's what? a
1: hospital for the criminally insane so it's a prison for Arkham people. Asylum it's yeah it's a prison for people who are mentally unstable so that they will keep committing crimes obviously because they don't they're not with it. Um, but in,
0: fully functioning, otherwise, but well, they can no. Just, that's
1: the thing is, there's a full spectrum of what that can mean. Right, right. There's I'm very there's confused. people that like literally bump their heads against the wall all day long. Right, that's what they do, um, and they killed somebody, or they set fire to something, or whatever.
0: I understand. I understand. Right. There's that. the
1: sociopaths that like they have to keep. Of society, you know what I mean. They
0: keep them there. They don't keep them like in like.
1: Well, th- this is the back in the 1950s. This is not the golden age oh, of mental you know uh, mental health. You I know, keep diagnosis. That in yes. I'm sorry. This is uh, this I, is the time of very scary electroshock therapy, lobotomy, okay. everything. So the my, 1950s.
0: This is so. What my
1: father was a candidate for a lobotomy after he was convicted. They were doing
0: that up till fairly recently. Surprisingly, sure, recently,
1: sure, sure. yeah, um, and. My grandmother decided against it, so he did not get a lobotomy. Um, But his time there was really about a self-rehabilitation. And what's interesting, or what's fortunate for me personally, I don't want to overlook the fact that there's a tragedy here. Mm -hmm. What's fortunate for me personally is that um, after he died, I knew where all of his memorabilia was and everything of this time period, but I didn't know there is a huge envelope of everything he wrote in prison. And I haven't looked at it yet. And it's old typewriter paper, (laughs) right, really thin. Um, And then there's these other ones where he would take um, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and he would fold it up into a little um, credit card size piece. And he would write everything out in notes that day And mm-hmm. then he would turn it over to the other blank side Right and right And he would keep folding it Until he had all these pieces of that He would keep it in his pocket And that And I didn't realize this till he died That was why he always had to have a shirt with a pocket It was oh. a thing from prison Okay. That the notes would be taken or whatever Something about prison
0: He kept all the notes?
1: So I have all the notes okay. I have everything he wrote in prison I haven't gone through it yet Has anybody? No it, it's just, it it's, so uh, when you deal with something like learning that your father killed someone. How long that, ago did he die? I
0: didn't know he was. He died
1: in 2018. Sorry. So when you kind of experience this, which I don't know how many people have, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> quite unique. No kidding. But but then the layers get added on it. They, you know, he just didn't kill somebody. That also means he's a murderer. It also means that, you know, that the layer of the school shooters, and then you go through living in this country during this era uh. where school shootings are all the time. It impacts me differently than it would most people, right? so you tend to go through a lot of um it ruling your life as trauma would and so when you finally get your brain around it and you're able to kind of live a normal life and not be so traumatized even though every school shooting has its own ingredients that do traumatize me um i don't always want to take that journey into sitting down and reading his shit from prison (laughs) you know because it takes a lot of emotional work to kind of sit there and remember that's your father. And he's trying to grasp and understand why he killed another human being. And he's trying to figure out how he's going to be able to function in society. Because he knew very early on that he, he had the capacity to be a normal human being. But at the time, he thought he would never get out. And he always told me if he stayed in prison, he would have been OK. He had completely resigned himself to staying there. And he started a print shop in the prison and started a school in the prison. He, He taught history and science and mathematics. My dad was a genius. So he taught all of these classes. Um, he organized AA meetings, even though he'd never touched a drop of alcohol, because he loved the camaraderie and he loved the twelve-step program. And he
0: this is all at a very young age, too twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, he, so 24. exactly
1: in his early twenties, he basically didn't. I mean, he he just became a, a leader in the prison in the way that he could. I mean, starting the school and and doing all these things, and so eventually, of course, they were like.
0: So he seems like he's fully functional. Mm-hmm. And how many other people? I wonder how many other kind of fully functional people were in that prison too probably quite a few if he's running all these programs and teaching
1: yeah i i don't i don't well i mean yeah there's levels and spectrums right right Right? sure sure i mean and he talks about the different levels of the facility so the top level was like the suicide ward and um they were all naked all the time
0: oh oh that makes sense for yeah. that line of thinking back yeah. then. No pens, no this, no right, right, right. right, nothing. There uh. were a
1: whole floor of naked men huh? who were raped continually.
0: Oh. I yeah. Uh, uh.
1: I know. So you learn these things about your father. It's just a lot to accumulate. That, that person. The kind of
0: stuff that he went through. The
1: person that loved you and taught you how to be a moral human being <laughs> went through all of these things.
0: He told you? He's the one that told you? Yeah. Why did he tell you?
1: Because he'd had a heart attack that year and he knew that, um, if he died, he didn't want me to learn it from somebody else. That was his biggest fear. And then I had to learn that every single person on his side of the family already knew they were raised with it. They knew it. They all knew Bob Bechtel killed somebody.
0: Okay. And I, I did not, then I had
1: had to like, I was like, I just, you know, every family reunion kind of flashes through your mind and you're like, (gasps) and you kind of realized your dramatic irony. They all knew that I didn't know.
0: Would you have wanted to have known? No. Are you glad that they were keeping it from you then? Yes.
1: Because I got to have a father I could cherish. I got to see the person who's my father.
0: How did he, do you know how he came to grips with it?
1: He says that you never get over it. You never forgive yourself. And you never stop thinking about it. But you have to move on. He says you do no one any good by staying where you are and very true to my father's moralistic backbone you can't do any good if you're just staying still and wallowing and his whole point when he got out of prison was to just do good
0: Wow did he do good he did what did he so, so after he gets <clears throat> out like what he just goes. so it's his interesting mom for a little, like... no
1: he has this incredible academic journey um I where guess, i guess
0: schools can't keep you from com- <laughs> well back then
1: back then, back then no it records wasn't, yeah, there or was anything no felony question and he wasn't convicted of a felony he wasn't he was found innocent because of temporary insanity
0: so he's just a dude now yeah holy shit
1: exactly where
0: where was he where did this happen
1: this happened in pennsylvania okay uh, so he he killed he planned a mass murder of his dorm and when he oh, what o- kind
0: of school is this? I was assuming this is
1: Swarthmore College.
0: Oh, so he did a, a college school shooting. Okay, yeah. I, okay,
1: okay. So wow, he he killed one person and um, stopped, and then turned himself in. So too
0: much for him to handle. He probably he said he, that
1: he, he said that he knew immediately um, he had killed somebody. My dad was a hunter, and he knew the sound of the what happens when. You know, something that has lungs, dies. Um, He said, you know, that he knew and he said that a a hand came and grabbed his heart and squeezed it and it just kind of like jolted him. Mm -hmm. And he said in that moment, he sort of kind of understood that he was loved way more than he ever thought that he'd been bullied or hated. You know, he'd been bullied from the age of four, and it created a pattern in what I consider to be like a syndrome that these boys are experiencing. I mm-hmm. mean, in terms of how I've studied the subject and come to understand it, there is a syndrome that is occurring inside of these brains mm-hmm. that has to do with American culture, guns, violence, um, bullying, school social structure, and the hero myth dynamic. Mm. And these things get swirled. You know what I mean? It's a cocktail. It's not like just one or two things. You know what I mean? You can't just say, "Oh, he was a loner." It's like, well, not every loner picks up a gun and shoots people. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, people who not every person who was bullied picks up a gun and shoots people. It's a very small percentage where this happens. You know, it's a dynamic, and they fall into it, um, and we provide the guns for them to, you know, take carry out what they need to. My father, after he committed his crime, was terrified of guns. I'm absolutely terrified, and he said, "Don't." ever pick one up don't ever purchase one and he said i would never ever have been able to do what i did without access to my guns yeah. so his whole thing was access but he also wasn't uh, a hunting advocate he just knew for himself he could never touch it again
0: yeah oh pff. yeah i that's I could, Yeah, I could totally see that. If yeah. he actually came to grips with it and was like, holy shit. Yeah, someone yeah. that with a real conscious, yeah, of course, would probably never pick one up.
1: Right. So wait, wait one second. I yeah. don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to pick up the thread again. When he got out, he went an academic route. And so he went to Susquehanna University, again, 4.0, you know, and achieved everything there. Then came to KU and um, got his master's degree in environmental psychology and his PhD. And um, he became a university professor for environmental psychology basically how do humans work in buildings how do humans operate in buildings how, how does the environment affect human behavior interesting that's his whole thing oh, that'd be and, fun to study. well that field started in ku under roger barker and my dad became his protege So my dad learned from the inventor of the field so my dad once roger barker died became sort of a commodity right and he was the consultant on the space station a consultant on the space station he's the reason why the space station has windows because they gave him the blueprints and he's like uh everybody's gonna be dead in three months and um and he said he always used to make fun of architects uh, and engineers because he said they had huge egos right they're thinking of like externalizing their ego in this building right okay. and and he's like he said you could hear all the air leave the room and they just stared at him with evil eyes and he's like you've got no windows like <laughs> humans need windows and you know and that's scientific his students are the ones that scientifically proved all those things about buildings right yeah so the barcelona olympic village he was consulted on um, like you know what's the best place for a bathroom why do people go there for the bathroom and Proving also that community centers are the heart of any kind of small village. You need to have a place where all people can congregate outside of their homes in the same place. And having it in the center of the town is the best. So he's, you know, circular houses save energy better. We're losing all of our energy in corners. These kind of, these... Or his studies, basically. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. So, that's, so stuff. that's the normal life he led, right? Got married, had children, and and lived a you know a beautiful life, right? But then this other side of him, this social justice, do good. You know, one of the things he did when he got out of prison is he went to the March on Washington and heard the I Have a Dream speech up front live. He faked a press pass and got in as close mm-hmm. as he could, and um, then he went to go see the Apollo takeoff for the moon landing. He gobbled up life. that's
0: forrest gump
1: yeah and and also in prison he read the works of martin luther king and gandhi so these were meaningful people to him Mm -hmm. you know and i know that you know deeper in the academic world they those are figures with problematic issues but you know for the sake of of that time my dad really admired these people um so anyway then he gets into social justice work and in the central american wars in the 1980s when we were Um, on the one hand, creating crack cocaine and pumping it into the cities, right? Mm -hmm. And in the second layer of that, taking the money from that and handing it into Iran and the Contras and all that controversy, right? right? So we went in to take over the dictator, what well, we we wanted to prop up the dictatorships that were nice to us in Central America. Mm-hmm. And when they wanted to democratically elect their leaders, Reagan said, no, that's communist. So everybody's like, oh, we have to defeat the communists. Right. So we were in these secret <clears throat> wars that nobody could admit to because if they did, the American people would be really fucking pissed because nobody agreed to go to war in Central America. What the fuck are we doing there? And so the refugee crisis began to happen in the 80s. And these refugees poured over the border. Mm-hmm. And so my dad was like, this is Jesus. Because he was a deep Christian, right? He's like, the suffering, they're coming over the border. I'm going to help. So he helped hide Central American refugees.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: As they came over the border, he got their paperwork done, took them to courthouses, got them arranged, and put them into hiding.
0: Does he feel like he got away with it? No. Okay,
1: I do. sometimes I have that guilt. yeah.
0: okay. yeah, I would yeah, he probably doesn't. He probably doesn't just, because you do think about it
1: because he he did the work and he every day never uh, he, he always says not a day goes by. I don't think about it. And I I have issues with how he handled a lot of the after effects. You know he never apologized that's been very difficult for me to accept um
0: I guess that was my next question yeah yeah
1: uh, but he, he shows remorse and it's a very different thing it's very strange and then you have to come to the you have to come to terms with the fact what do you want the sorry for and we often want somebody to say sorry so we can feel better about them and so we don't have to feel like they're such a monster right and I had to realize that the apology I really wanted it for myself to feel better about my dad.
0: Do you think he was avoiding it because he didn't want to be forgiven?
1: No. I think that he understood so deeply why he ended up as messed up as he was. I think he understood exactly how it happened and that he couldn't apologize for um, something that was inevitable. The other issue was that he felt sorry was so minute and so stupid. He's like, "How can how can two syllables do anything to change this?" He was insulted by sorry. He told me that. He didn't. He didn't think. It, he thought it was such a paltry wow thing. And he said, "The best I could do would be to, you know, help Central American refugees." You know what I mean? Doing something much larger to hit that was, was the for person, him.
0: Was the person he killed Central American?
1: No. Um, the person he killed was completely innocent of, I mean, anything. I mean, anybody would be innocent. Obvious. Everyone's innocent. I'm just simply pointing out that the bullying he experienced on campus would, did not come from this person. And so when you talk about the bullying syndrome that these boys go through, the whipping boys that experience the bullying, and they get their guns, you have to understand that there. and my dad told me this, the point is to wipe out everyone. They're not discriminate. It is random. So very few times in school shootings do you have the shooter come and specifically target and get somebody. And if that happens, usually the casualty rate is low, right? Mm-hmm. But when the syndrome occurs, it's the wiping out of all of them. And I know from, uh, from speaking with professors who've spoken to other school shooters in the prison system that are there now, they say the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they say, the sa- they say the exact same thing. Like They want to wipe out everybody. Everybody.
0: They just, do they think that it's just going to take their pain away?
1: Yes, they're solving their problems. Oh my goodness, my dad told it's me. It's not
0: even retribution, it's just going to solve the pain?
1: My dad thought his mother was going to congratulate him. Good job, son. You took care of your problems. It's a solving of a problem. And the problem are the people, the society, that has never recognized that you were wounded and hurt as a boy in a bullying in a bullying situation and time and time and time again because of the nefarious nature of bullying because it's secret you no one can you can be abused all the way all the way up until high, you know this you know the people that are abused and bullied in elementary school end up being bullied all the way through right you see it
0: yeah it's so, an archetype of, of it's a dynamic boy yeah. well, it's, it's usually the same type of sure you know scrawny nerdy it, poor boy yeah
1: it's the whipping boy mm-hmm. right and in alpha dynamic You need a whipping boy, actually, because that's how the whole pack works. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, the syndrome is to wipe out everyone because everyone is the problem, because you you have warped your brain to see the world as an uncaring world that has never cared about you, that has never listened to you, that has never actually um, taken into consideration that you've been wounded at this place called school that you have to keep going to every flipping day. So the place you were wounded as a child when the bullying started is the same place you're still at every day. And so place is very important. And school is the only place for children <laughs> as they grow up. right? It takes over their whole lives, place, mm-hmm. you know, school and home. Um, so um, my father never said sorry, did lead a life of remorse and redemption. and was an incredible father, an incredible human being, eccentric, amazing. Um and taught me enough about morality that I ended up grieving deeply for the person he killed for many years. Hmm. Until you have to just wake up and say like my dad said, you have to move on. You know, you 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 are not your trauma. You got to keep going.
0: Who the the victim are are there, are Was it a a male female
1: male 18 year old
0: is is his parents still alive?
1: No, but I did contact his brother and I met his brother I did my own little um, Sort of restorative justice and I never told my father I met him
0: How did that go? Um, was he older or younger brother? Older Oh boy
1: Um, and I got to see a lot of pictures of him and I wanted to hear about him and get to know him And I learned a lot about him and I also was able to give some better specifics about what actually happened because the newspapers, when my dad went public, the newspapers did a really salacious headline that said, I killed my tormentor. And what people don't understand is you can make a headline out of anything. It actually doesn't have to be a quote, Mm -hmm. but my dad never said that. And so when they read that, and then everybody who's still alive from the dorm reads that, And this underground sort of pipeline starts going back and forth amongst these guys who were there saying what the fuck?" you know they were really upset really mad because the person my father killed was not a bully and they were adamant about that and then many of them were adamant that there was no bullying and then some of them actually that i spoke to said you know what we were not very nice and and it was rowdy and in fact i talked to one guy who said that he asked for a transfer out of the dorm because he couldn't study because it was so raucous.
0: Wow. Did he accept your answers or apologies or did he Um, look at it as a justification?
1: What's interesting is that I think, and I don't want to get too far into this only because I told him I wouldn't ever use it to promote anything, which I don't think I'm promoting anything except, you know, healing of a nation. But I just think that... um, I was able to put to rest this idea that in any way his brother was targeted or that in any way my father like decided it was going to be his brother. Okay. I wanted him to understand that there's, yeah. there's a nature to this thing I'm talking about that is random and you need to understand that. And I think that that helped in, in a way that was over the decades for him of healing. I think it did kind of like he was like, oh, okay. I think that was that would have
0: like, yeah, uh, that probably would have gone a long way. Like if your dad would have apologized, it wouldn't just be I'm sorry. And it moved on. I imagine there would have been a conversation and maybe he could have alleviated some of that. Just like, you know, I'm a curious guy like the curious curiosity killed the cat I'd be the cat every time like I'd be like why though why did he target my son why did he target my son the whole time Mm -hmm. I would have wanted that answer well
1: back then so um, when I talked to the guys from the dorm um, back then they were all understanding that my father was mentally ill they all they were like wow okay none of them were um, uh, none of them hated him for him being sick let me put it that way you know they understood wow you know mm. we didn't know um so there was actually a great deal of compassion there and i think i think i think I mean, you're dealing with swarthmore graduates these are educated people that come from these you know beautiful rich white backgrounds you know what i mean they're they're gentle people um okay uh so <clears throat> they're kind and and uh they 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 understood my father was ill um i think There was communication between my father and um his brother uh, the, the victim's brother and my father the closest he got to saying sorry to him was saying nothing that was ever done to me ever ever deserved what happened to your brother nothing and we read the letter and my mom and i both pointed out it doesn't say sorry and you know i don't know what to say about that words matter Mm-hmm. Like you said, what what would that have given, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know.
0: Oh, wow. That's... And did he ever... So after he got out, did, did he just like, we're all moving away from Pennsylvania and starting over in a complete, like, let's, you know?
1: So when he got accepted to Susquehanna, it was... Nego- New York? Susquehanna is a college in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Um, when he got accepted, there was a conversation between, I think... It was his lawyer and the president of the school, or it was his chaplain at the mental institution and the president of the school. They negotiated his acceptance. And the president interviewed my father. And it's kind of this moment where, like, you know, he takes all the papers and kind of stacks them and he says, Never ever speak of what happened. Never. Don't ever tell anyone. And so my dad didn't tell anyone until he told my mother.
0: Wow. Why did he tell your mom? Or they how what, did did she know before she married him? Yeah. Okay.
1: He told her on the third date.
0: Was that the first time he ever told anybody? That a was long f- time?
1: Well, that was the first time he told, like, yeah, somebody close to him, sure. Yeah. Well, now, some of his friends already knew from childhood, obviously. Sure. He had to reveal to a colleague that he was on a trip with because he studied cold climates. So a lot, of, a big bulk of his research was on cold climates and its effect on humans. And so he was in Alaska a lot. And um, so he went with one of his colleagues, and they had to get military clearance. And, of course, all that shit shows up, mm-hmm. even if it's not a felony, right? Mm-hmm. Everything shows up. So he had to sit down and say, well, I have a story to tell you.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: So little bits. Um, I, a, a great irony, too, was, you know, we were from Tucson. And we had friends there for ages, the all 40 years we were there. And um, uh, apparently um, one of them knew very early on and never said a word, like back in the 70s knew. Because she was very good friends with one of the guys in the dorm. Oh, wow. And when he found out, when she, when she had casually mentioned his name, he was like, "I know that guy," and he told her. So she knew for thirty-five years and never said a word.
0: Yeah, it's, how do you bring that up? Right. Wow, what that would that, would, that, would, that you were nineteen? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and there was no indication of family secrets to me. Five. Okay, let me. I'm going to show you my big prejudice right now. I'm going to be super prejudiced. To me the way my society and the media have curbed my understanding of what family secrets look like family secrets look like the backwoods of Tennessee in a trailer park with a rusty pickup those are the people that have family secrets you know so there was something in my psyche exactly the status idea only poor white southern trash have family secrets, you know. And I was like,
0: They're out squealing, like, right, a pig right, in the squealing shed. like a pig, right? squealing like a pig,
1: right? This, right. Mm-hmm. So I had to really kind of pull myself out of this weird, prejudice, messed up thing I had in my head about status and family secrets and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, all those rich white senators have family secrets, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> you know? the, the, I don't think okay. the, the we all those, do. <laughs> there's, there's
0: probably less, there's probably less secrets in those fucking poor communities because they can't afford to keep them kinds of secrets.
1: Sure. But I mean, I had this weird idea of that. I don't yeah. know where that came from. Um, and I had to get over that fast. Um, because I was, I had to get a, a super big education in like prisoners and prison systems and death penalty. And like, I was like, wow, I mean, it was a whole new, I mean, it was an, a, a, an identity shift on a dime.
0: Wow. What does that Yeah, What did that do? Did that, how old you were? Nineteen when he told you. Hmm. Huh. Is that when I would have? Won? Yeah. And he had a heart attack. That's why he told you because he kind of figured he might be gone soon. How long? Yeah.
1: Well, he knew he didn't want anybody else to tell. Just in but case, me.
0: Okay. It was like an insurance policy. Wow. What did? What did? What did you do? Like, what was the first thing you did? Like.
1: Okay. So I just wrote about this. This is what I was writing about last night. Um. The day after. I had I had um I had gone to my boyfriend's house or something and like woke up and because he lived closer to campus so then I woke up the next day and like walked to to school and I was um just in this chapter I'm writing about I'm talking about like how all of a sudden I go from this like upper middle class white upbringing to like the word murder being in my life this word mm-hmm. that only belongs to the evilest most disgusting gravelly pits you know like what's that how's that How is that in me? You know, I worshiped Olivia Newton-John as a child, and now I have the word murder in my life. Mm. You know, like, what the hell? So all these machinations are going on in my head as I'm trying to figure out, like, these things are flying at me. You know, like, well, then that means that no wonder he had a gap of those years that's why he had that gap because there was always a gap in time in my dad's life that i couldn't piece together <laughs> you know he kept saying he was in school for 12 years you know like what um anyway all these things i get to class it's advanced english i have to be there for some reason i don't know why it was some attendance thing i don't know but i'm there 8 a.m class and i'm sitting there and i am just basically looking straight ahead you know going like don't fucking even talk to me <laughs> like my whole life just changed i don't know what the hell i'm doing here i don't know who i am anymore and i'm always the talkative i'm the extroverted introvert right like i i really don't want to do anything but stay home but if you get me out i'll just talk a mile a minute. wind you up there she goes yeah right exactly (laughs) um so i get to class and the we're going through a series of debates so it's this this um, this debate team it's their turn they're doing feminism or something and then they decide that what they want to do is an exercise in the class where they pick out of a hat subjects they want to debate and they pick me and this other guy to debate because we're the best debaters oh, no. and i was like fucking shit and they pass around the hat and the first thing he pulls is affirmative action and uh he we already knew where we stood on it and we'd already kind of debated it and also I didn't feel like I was educated enough about the topic to actually have a robust discussion. So I was like, okay. So we, we decided not to do that. He goes back into the hat, pulls out death penalty. And for the first you time... You know why that happened, right? <laughs> why? It's
0: a simulation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so... I'll put a footnote in that chapter for you, right? (laughs) Westa believes this is simulation theory. Okay. So it was the first time I had the thought ever. If my dad had gone to the electric chair, which was argued for, I would not exist. And for the first time I recognized, like, I was now somehow a degree away from the whole concept and discussion of the death penalty. Hmm. And I was like, I remember this this weird existential pause inside of my whole being, right? When he said death penalty. And I was like, oh, that was me. And and it was like this weird identification all of a sudden. And and it came spontaneously. Like I, I just recognized immediately, you know, this wasn't drama. This was like, whoa. And so I somehow got through that debate. I mean, I somehow i somehow- I don't remember exactly Auto any pilot. of it right I just you know, I, and I wasn't at the stage of trauma yet where I could actually cry just yet i mean i I would obviously have periodic episodes or something well, you know? I would have periodic episodes of crying at the sink or something, right, but yeah. if I like wow. wanted to sit down and think about it, I couldn't cry about it. It was just more of like uh, that
0: <laughs> so i i am you must take some solace in knowing that he's not like a cold hearted murderer yeah. that this was uh, a syndrome if you will does, yeah does that help? that's that gotta help yeah oh sure and then I uh, and again this like if I got told my I, who knows I didn't know my daddy I know he's a piece of shit so who knows what he did but if I would if I heard that I was like oh is that in me do I have that absolutely you know but you go straight to the DNA right but then are you like well no because his was like that was more more nurture than nature
1: It took me years to understand that quite possibly one of the reasons why I feel so contradictory in my nature is that I have his before and after inside of me. Okay. You know, I still have the DNA that was that mad person and I have the DNA that was the healthy person.
0: Right. But nothing, that seems like to me...
1: So... It's something in me is always naturally just like this, completely contradictory. (laughs) I'm a walking contradiction, kind of. Yeah,
0: I would look at it. I I don't know. Think of it like that bad part, or whatever that one part that's like locked away, and because maybe it's something like a plant that can only be grown like your father's from a very young age, and it Mm -hmm. grows, and yours you've got the seed, but you don't have the plant.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I agree. I, I, I was, I, yeah. Like I, this I,
0: plant got watered and nurtured and grew up to do the act. You've got that same DNA seed, but it's just never got watered nourished or anything. It's, just, it's sure. just a seed. Sure.
1: I think for me, the longest arc of the healing I had to do was to get over grieving for the victim. Uh, or Or this idea that I was taking up space that he should have had. Or that how can I possibly make good because I, I felt forever that I was simply existing and living in replacement for what was taken away yeah and uh, I, I I've got to extricate myself from that it's not my fault
0: right that's what I wonder about. like <laughs> what is that is that what they call almost like a survivor's guilt
1: it's a second generation trauma syndrome okay where you get wrapped up in the guilt that was basically you inherited okay you know I was I was oh my god and you know I mean, I already had some early childhood trauma, too, so my self-worth wasn't all that, you know, fabulous. Um, But then you pile that on top of it, and that that initial seedbed in me that said I had no self-worth is just going to interpret this new thing going, I shouldn't even fucking be here.
0: 19, too. You still got another six years of your brain growing. Yeah. Wow. That's worth a lot to handle.
1: Yeah, it was a huge dive into, like, I suck, (laughs) you know.
0: Does that... um what do they call it, second... Generation trauma. Generation trauma, regret. Does that also go to another... Like, how many generations does that typically last?
1: Well, you still see in African-Americans the nick of slavery in their blood. Yeah. In the Irish, you still see the famine. Yeah. Um. So it it's still there. You can permanently... That's called epigenetic inheritance, where, like, the DNA just... A trauma can actually effect, it'll put a marker in that DNA and you will pass it on. And they've studied alcoholic families where um, Daddy didn't start drinking until the last two kids, right? So, like, they can take the you DNA. You right in my eyes when right. you said that.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> I don't know how many kids you have, but, like... Two. Oh, okay. But the point
0: Did is... They just started drinking.
1: <laughs> but I'm saying, <laughs> well, like... What are you doing to me? The kids in the initial part, right, where Dad was not an alcoholic, and then Dad became an alcoholic, right, these children have two different DNAs. And I don't mean terribly different. I'm no. just saying the, these these ones are soaked in that little marker of the trauma.
0: Hmm. So
1: I have inherited definitely something, you know.
0: Are you concerned that you pass that on? Of course. Yeah, do you think?
1: I I mean, it was mental illness, so yes.
0: Oh, for sure, that part. I was, I would be... Yeah, but I meant the the generation regret type thing, do you think? um, That that passes on? I don't
1: know, because I don't know how attached she will be to the idea of that I mean her replacement is not as exact as yeah. mine would be do you see what I mean she's further removed you know and yeah. and as you were men,
0: pretty far removed too and it's, it's
1: I'm old but I'm his daughter
0: right but still 22 years after the fact or well
1: time-wise yeah I'm talking yeah. like you know if I'm if if in my messed up traumatized brain I'm thinking about replacing and replacement well I don't mean yeah it's yeah. that that I'm thinking of and I don't know that she would have that same connection and I always have to be reminded by therapists and psychiatrists that I've seen over the years, <laughs> that not every person would interpret things so deeply as I did.
0: Okay. You know. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of people, and people have told me this, who would just, you know, so my dad killed somebody. That has nothing to do
0: with me. Yeah.
1: And to that I say, true. Yeah. And I would also say, yes, I am a sensitive individual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would say, yes, I take things to mean things very deeply. My nervous system is. Just built that way right yeah that's okay and i would also say if anyone would kindly wake the fuck up you can't live in america and not be affected by this issue you know so i excuse me for wrapping myself up in something that i think everybody should be concerned about there should be no children dying in schools none
0: yeah very few none uh, very few
1: So, yeah, I'm going to get wrapped up in it. You know, like, and everybody else should be. It should be this personal to everybody because those are kids.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you don't like reading about it or seeing it on the news. You just, it's, yeah, I hate it. I mean,
1: you just have to sit there for a second and put yourself in a position of going to pick up your kid. And instead, you're going to find out if they're dead or not. Right. Just... For a second, please put yourself in that position because that is an American experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got two kids. You know, would not want that phone call or see that news bulletin on my phone. Yeah, that would be very scary. It's scary. How do we fix it?
1: Better education. Yeah. Get rid of multiple choice testing. Multiple choice testing, again, victim to monotheistic thinking um, because there isn't just one answer. There's multiple answers to things. Things are a cocktail. Things are complex. Things have steps, layers, nuances. You have to think psychedelically and prismatically. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you really do. You have to look at people individualistically because that is what they need to be validated, including the bully. Oh um, yeah. So. A bully's it, bullying for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Bullying is a dysfunction of its own sense of lack of self worth. So, um, y- you know. We have to start with education. We have a very, very minimally educated population, and that is our greatest risk to our self-defense. We are stupid. And if we don't get smarter, we're going to keep, oh, well, another 21 kids are dead. We'll go through this cycle, lay some roses, have a prayer vigil, and then we'll move on.
0: I like the education or Do you think we get too wrapped up in the gun debate instead of focusing more on... Education or or uh, what those SSRIs.
1: So yes, medication. We got to be really careful about mismanaged medication. Over the last thirty years, has been such a contributing factor to everything. Absolutely, I think post Columbine, you have to look at uh, medication as a as one of these factors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a comorbidity, if you will. <laughs> mm, right. Um, so that was not my father's case, and you know, school shootings have been happening since eighteen forty. So, you have to look at the spectrum mm-hmm. of things. Then you have to look at, okay, so when we talk about gun debate, right, the Scalia interpretation from the Supreme Court of the Second Amendment, which only happened very recently, this new interpretation that you had a right to, you know, all the firearms, you had this right to hold it, have it, conceal, carry, all this, all that came from the Scalia interpretation. And thus began, began then the proliferation of, of the, the more machine gun, semi automatic AR 15, all that stuff. Um, and then there was a the lift on the assault weapons ban right then you start I mean you start to see you know very clearly the escalation in this kind of stuff so to say that guns matter they do it's shown and it's proven that's there's nothing to debate there what is it debate here is I wish people could look at parts of the gun debate right when you're dealing with school shootings the part of the gun debate i'm not going to talk to you about is the second amendment Mm -hmm. i don't give a shit about the second amendment when we're talking about school shootings table that table a bunch of other stuff about your rights and cold dead hands and whatever you want to talk about what i want to talk about with school shootings is access at such a young age to such deadly weapons in a reasonable society should be absolutely 100 percent forbidden
0: well, that's where the education comes in. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and I, and I'm yeah, I mean, I'll have a gun debate for sure. But yeah, my my point is do we sometimes get lost in that cuz that's yes. the first exactly. thing that happens and it just turns into the left and right arguing and it's like, "No, let's put that aside for a minute and let's attack yeah. this from like we can't keep attacking" Yeah, you have to get
1: get very specific about the gun questions when it comes to mass shootings and school shootings. And instead, everybody wants to pull it all in together. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, because then we're going to end up at a picnic talking about our pride and Mm patriotism. That's not what we want to talk about right now. We want to talk about how young children are getting access not only to the guns, but to the ammunition and then to the mentality to carry it out. Where is that coming from? Why is it happening? What are they cooking in? You know, and... There's just enough factors that happen in this country to have that happen enough mm-hmm. that we know it's an American problem.
0: Yeah, and that is where I think education needs to, I I'm, I agree education solves, I mean, so many problems. All the problems. And I think we I think there should be a mandatory class from a very young age that teaches kids how guns work and operate and how to handle them, the dangers of them. Uh, like you said, your dad said he was so afraid of them and so afraid for you to have them. Well, that's just because, you know, he knew, he knows the power of it. But if you know the education of it and how they work, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a tool like a hammer. And when you, if you could just learn, just get that into most of the population, if they just knew the dangers but also how they worked and everything. And then you have to start that, uh, that education somewhere. And if you get a couple of generations in... You're going to get these all these generations that know you have to keep these things locked up. you got to keep them away from kids. you got to keep everything. And that's just not hammered into people because I just don't think they have that education of how they work and how dangerous they are and how easy they are to use and not use. It's just that's what I would like to see to help curb all of this instead of taking away. We need to educate from a very young age and just like every year have like an electives class on how this shit works no
1: i think normalizing weapons is problematic in any culture i would say that about any weapon Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i think um normalizing guns is frightening i mean i've lived in europe and the perception of americans is really shifted over the years because the rise of gun culture
0: the rise of media Uh,
1: uh, well
0: explain just showing what if it bleeds it leads
1: yeah but you can't argue the statistics on gun purchasing i mean we have 330 million guns in this country
0: very little deaths compared to that number
1: well i don't know what the statistics are in the ratio of the amount of guns per deaths i don't know i don't know that that could be because i mean switzerland certainly they have a lot of armed people and almost no deaths
0: i don't know anything about switzerland uh,
1: well it's switzerland if you get your ammunition it has a serial number on it so all of your bullets are marked And they're very expensive.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you better know what you're doing and you better use it for a certain purpose. And so I think those mitigating factors really help too.
0: Sure. Um,
1: I think um, now the other thing that's very interesting about the gun debate that I don't think applies in school shootings and mass shootings is this idea of like the streets, you know, like this idea that like, we got to get the illegal guns off the streets. And like this idea of the streets, like, I don't even know what this, you know, these people talk about the streets and it's. This is this white concept that really the problem about guns is actually a black problem that belongs in the ghetto. And they, they f- try to frame it that way. Well, they're just killing each other, you know, as if they aren't Americans either, you know. Right. And that part of the gun debate gets also distracting from like, hey, nope. Talking about kids access to guns right. and sh- school shootings happen in white affluent neighborhoods. <laughs> you know, the shooter isn't always necessarily affluent, but they're happening in white affluent neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Aurora, Colorado. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Littleton. You know what I mean? Right. So that, yeah, we have to stay specific about the gun debate. Yeah. And I, I think normalizing guns is an issue for me. I know you were probably raised in um, a family that guns were just normal. Right. They were there.
0: I was raised by a single mom up to a point when she got remarried or married. Yes, he was a hunter with. Yeah, I I shot. I've shot a ton of different guns.
1: Yeah. Right. And I think that those I mean, there's sort of like this, you know, romantic genteel idea about. You know, passing on the rifle and these, I you know, I don't I don't know that I have a problem with that, you know, mm-hmm. even though I have read a lot of stories from a small town 1800s where, yeah, kids were getting shot all the time from things like that, you mm-hmm. know, um, but. It's when we start bringing in the Glocks to the house and the AR 15s into the house, and we just lay them around, and they're in the well, closet the part or whatever. Is laying down in the project, yeah. bring them back. But this is what's happening. I know
0: that's where the education. That's where my argument sure. of education but comes in. But
1: is it normal for every person to own a gun? Is it normal?
0: Well, there's a lot of things people do that aren't normal that are still right. Just because it's not normal doesn't mean it's, I mean not normal. What's your definition of normal? Because everyone doesn't have one.
1: The mentality behind purchasing a gun, right?
0: Everyone's got their own reason.
1: You don't think it's the idea of the home invasion?
0: I think it's a lot of personal protection, whether it's I'm going to keep it on me or it's it's home invasion for sure. Okay. And if it's home invasion, I suggest a shotgun. That's your best, safest. Okay. You know? But to each his own. I mean, if you want a pistol and you like... I mean, there's, I know uh, gun culture is, is huge. You got just people who just like to go out to range and shoot metal targets with mm-hmm. their pistol and speed race with it. Like there's just fun. It's just funny. You want to go out and shoot clay pigeons. You know, they just want to trap shoot. They just it's it's a huge. Yeah, it's a huge hobby for people. They all have their own reasons. Yeah, there's no one reason why certain people get guns. It's just like anything sure. else. I want it to yeah. protect myself. Right. That, and that's the number one reason, I think. You know, we have a right to bear arms. Is you know, as we have a right to protect yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, ten days ago or two weeks ago, when I was on the other podcast talking, you know, one of the focuses was the gun culture that is also the Christian evangelicals. You know, because there's tons of people in gun culture that are also atheists. You yeah. know, like you don't. There, there's such a it's such a large demographic in America you can't it's not monolithic you can't look at it as like well, these gun owners it's like that's another thing you can't just say well these gun owners well there's a lot of different gun owners for different reasons
0: oh the spectrum's wide it's
1: very wide yeah, yeah. again so we're talking about
0: specifically it got even wider when the pandemic hit especially sure. in California right? all of these yeah these gun right. hating uh, liberals over there were like I think it's how, how do I get a gun yes. down yes I
1: think 20 million guns <laughs> were sold yeah. yeah I know
0: it's kind of funny <laughs>
1: But again, this means that we're more paranoid. Right. It means we're scared.
0: And that and means that's a 20 more million, problem. a good percentage of those uneducated. And a it lot of education
1: to- would take care of that paranoia. Exactly. Paranoia takes a lot of energy. Again, mm-hmm. stress. <laughs> like we're such a messed up nation, <laughs> you know. Plus the SSRIs were consuming, a- consuming 80%. What's of the- a better nation though? You know, you asked me where
0: would I live? Where would you live?
1: I would, I would live in Ireland, England, or Central Europe. Yeah. I would live in Canada. Yeah. I would live Costa Rica.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, For yeah. a long time, like sure. you're gonna get sick of it.
1: Why? I
0: don't know. You Why? I mean, just...
1: you're gonna get sick of America. Like that's weird, right? It's your home. No, because you
0: got a lot more to go see, and and there's a lot more to do. I don't know. Just it's just that I can go to a couple different oceans, and yeah. The but mountains I, and if, a if I live
1: in Central Europe, I'm literally an hour away from any country I want.
0: Yeah. No. Look, I, I'm. It's. I don't know. I would think it'd be cool to live over there too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think. I don't know enough about it, but if, I think it would be cool. I don't know if I'd miss America or not because there's a lot of things you can't do over there that you can do here.
1: Exactly. There's way more convenience here. I mean, if you want to walk around. And, now, I know it's changed a little bit since I was, you know, kind of living in that area. But if you want to get a cup of coffee and just, like, walk around a little bit, it can, <laughs> that can be difficult sometimes, you know? Like, it, there's not... The convenience of America is so unsurpassed. Yeah. And... It's true, and I this is confirmed. And I ask all my European friends and all my Asian friends the same thing: What is it about America that you think of? Like, what do you think when you think about America? And they all like, they look to the sky romantically and they say, "You feel free. You like when you get in that country, you feel free, and it's a different kind of freedom because they have the same rights as we do. You know, it's not there's not a point, different. So. Well, in Central Europe, it's the same. There's not they're all democratic, liberal." Free speech, free everything. Watch it um, with that free speech. You just can't be a Nazi, which I find reasonable. Um, but I think that uh, yeah, I there's better things about things that they have stuff figured out over there that we haven't. You have to grant them that, you know, their economies are great um their education systems are great their populations don't graduate with thousands of dollars of debt they're immediately able to put their money back into the economy buy cars buy houses buy property well our
0: military sucks yeah all right well and a
1: lot of them are actually conscribed also to military there's a number yeah. of western european countries where men have to serve they have to well, we you gotta know, sign be up be a part of that country right but no they go through in sweden you have to go through your training
0: yeah for what a year I, I, don't I don't remember.
1: But everybody has to do it.
0: Yeah. Israel uh, Israeli, Israeli army, male yeah, or they, female. Yeah, they got they got well, a, that, and they got that that's shit. That's actually
1: down. the key to success for Israel, to be honest with you. It's one of the things that I wish we would do. Yeah. Everybody has to go through military training. Some every, sort. Every Green single Peace person. Or
0: something like that or some kind of
1: And well, Arabs can opt out. Like so if you're an Arab, you don't have to, right? Um, but if you're Israeli, if if you're if you're in is well, yeah, if you're Israeli, you have to do it, mm-hmm. right? So, with, but the thing is, it's a lottery in terms of who gets what role. So, if you're a famous doctor, you could be driving the bus. While the bus driver in real life is the one that who's your lieutenant. Okay. And it, because it's also gender mixed, it's totally diverse also in other ways. And everybody has to do it. So, the, by the time you're out of that experience, you've got this camaraderie. And so psychologically it's doing what basic training does Mm. right which is why you're supposed to take basic training with people from your hometown really yeah they stopped that at the beginning of vietnam and it screwed everybody up
0: oh i think that was a great thing I, i i only did basic training okay i Got out of it after basic oh, training. Oh, seriously? I had about a week or two left. My drill sergeant said, uh, Westa, I've never seen anybody with such little military bearing in my life after going through basic training. You need to do it again. I said, uh, and he said, or you can do this thing called Chapter 11, I think it's <laughs> called. And ch- it's called Chaptering Out. Yeah. And it's like you never went. We're just do, 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 do. Get on out of here. He's like, you never went. We'll put you on a Greyhound. Send your ass back home. Oh, really?
1: <laughs> so you were not owned anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I had fun. I had fun okay. in basic training. And what I liked about it was it was just so, I mean, it was it was people from all over the country. We all met in Jackson, Miss, uh, South Carolina. Is that where I was? It was? One of the Carolinas. Fort Jackson in North or South Carolina. And it was just this, cool, just a, a, a soup. Of every walk of life, you know, just from from you know, just from the hood to the from rich area to this dude, his dad's a general, mm. like all over the place. Mm. So that was cool.
1: Yeah, and so what in the beginning of Vietnam, um, there was towns and basic training, like these camaraderie things that are built, right? I mean, military training is a psychological uh, fuck, cool, basically. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's teaching you to die for somebody you just didn't know two weeks ago, right? Um, Anyway, so all that in Vietnam, they would they initially when they deployed people, they split them all up.
0: Okay. Oh, from their basic training. From their oh, basic I training, see what and you're but, but
1: also people back then in basic training, you always had people from your hometown because there were so many people. Because so the draft. It
0: would be. Oh, right, right. Well, that that's a, that was a little different time. Yeah. Right, because I would have. I guess it would have been cool too to go with all Kansas City people. Yeah, but I would have liked. I liked. It, I would have liked it more going with you know people from Atlanta, sure. Montana, and sure. California. But because it, it was both, yeah. right? Because you
1: have to learn that.
0: Because, yeah.
1: So then you get to you get to a whole foreign country in a conflict that was obviously botched, and you you don't know anybody. It totally it messes up that whole primordial thing about like dying for each other. You know, it's not. So they had to stop that. They changed and went back. To oh. their, like, keeping everybody together. Well. Not that it helped. And Init- Like like, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm advocating anybody win that war, but.
0: Which war? Vietnam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should never have been there. You know why mm-hmm. we t- went there? The Gulf of Tonkin. You know that?
1: Do you know, um, on my dating profile, <laughs> my big thing?
0: You got a dating, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know do which you, way do you know, you're, you're looking for. Do, well, I don't know if you're on, uh,
1: do on you Tinder, kn- <laughs> everybody. Like, hit her up.
0: She's a swiper. Do,
1: do you know? Um, one of my sentences is, if you think there was a torpedo attack in the Gulf of Tonkin, we will not get along.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I think we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. No, because that's the other thing. There was no torpedo attack. Right. So where's the apology?
0: As you're saying, I'm sorry, what's that going to do? <laughs> Touche, right? Touche.
1: But I still maintain words mean something, you know, right. and it's like, you know, reparations or whatever has to be preceded by a formal apology. And, I, you know, um, what we did to Vietnam and those people, when they kept... Did you ever see the Vietnam Ken Burns on PBS?
0: I heard it was great. I have not seen it.
1: Watch just even just the first episode. I learned something I never knew before. Okay, Ho Chi Minh, back when he was like just in the villages, being a leader, you know, helping people like, hey, we got to get these people out of Mm -hmm. our country. And he's against French um, colonization, all that kind of stuff. He wrote Ho Chi Minh wrote a letter to Truman. Okay. And it said, I know you understand what we're going through here. We need your help because we're being invaded and attacked. And I know that you understand what it means to pull a country from another country and to get rid of a tyrannical government. And he quoted, like, the Constitution and all this stuff. The military people around Truman never gave him the letter.
0: Ah, damn.
1: And then look at history, right?
0: Right. I mean, you keep going back. I mean, I go to every war. There's some garbage bullshit they got somebody in in anyway. Yeah, wow. Because they wanted to fight. Of course they did. They're all warhawks had all this new had necto- nec- and this new technology yeah. they wanted to show off. You know, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And we got this brand new hammer. Look at all them nails out there.
1: What was the resource we were after, though? I don't understand.
0: I don't know shit. I don't communist. I mean,
1: was it? Yeah, I know. The yeah, Domino Theory. Yeah, I know.
0: Kara, this was amazing. Let's get you out of here. We can keep going about crazy. We'll go down a million different roads.
1: Preemptive wars.
0: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. This was a lot of fun. Sure. I ju- I, I play a devil's advocate a lot of times, just because I argue a lot of things. Doesn't mean I necessarily believe them. Doesn't mean I don't. But you are a huntsman. <laughs> I'm a huntsman, I will kill a lot of different animals and eat as much of it as I can and share with it other parts of it. Good. There's, I tell you that. Well, I'll end on this. When you when you were talking about your your the food the dish that you want to pass on that just makes you feel good the winter Norwegian mm-hmm. dish. Mm-hmm. As someone who hunts, when you I, I'm a bait, I'm I'm a bow hunter. I don't even use a gun. Um, I'm a bow hunter. There's something just there's just romantic about it. It's difficult. And it, the pro, it's very difficult. And when you succeed, it's such a it's such a big it's just it's just great. It feels great. Wonderful. And you bring that when you bring that home and you bring the food and you're eating it every bite. You feel the energy. You get the memories of that hunt, what that meat means to you, what you had to go through to earn it, mm-hmm. the respect that you give the animal for letting you eat it. And then it's just and then when you can pass it on to your kids, you know, like give give them a steak and mm-hmm. they love it. My kids love the moose meatballs. Uh, and they just love it. And it's just and it's just cool. You like Oh, it's just something beautiful about hunting and the food with at least our culture. Yeah.
1: That's a reverence. Yeah. And, if re- and reverence can be taught. Yeah. You know, so that we don't have the, I just killed this. Right. You know?
0: That's that's the redneck-y type thing. That's very, that's actually fairly rare. You get a lot sure. of reverence in, in, in at least North American hunting culture. And on that note, let's go uh, get you a bow and arrow and shoot some targets. <laughs> Bye.